Hello, Kutuanto. Here come the Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific, Mikoroi Hawkins. Coming up, we check out the latest on American Samoa's measles outbreak. Also, these three hours will be crucial for Papua New Guinea. Papua New Guinea gears up for what could be an historic visit by U.S. President Joe Biden and... It's uh, the position of many governments not to negotiate with uh, hostage takers. A new twist in the West Papua hostage situation as a negotiator between New Zealand and the rebels speaks up. American Samoa's Department of Health epidemiologist says 39 test results from people that were suspected to have measles have come back negative. The batch was sent to Hawaii last week for nasopharyngeal testing. There's also been a decrease in the amount of people in the territory reporting measles symptoms over the last three days. Epidemiologist Scott Anessi speaks with Caleb Fotheringham. We're still out there in the community. Our hotline is still open 24 hours. We have had some calls about possible cases that the medical team are checking out. But so far, we've seen a a bit of a decrease uh, both in the clinics as well as through our hotline of cases in the population. That's just currently over the past 72 hours. We are able to continue our vaccination campaign. So that's still going out. We have been able to hit our daycare centers as well as our early childhood uh, education centers. Due to the great response in the community as well as uh, some of the declining numbers, the government officials have decided to reopen elementary, high school and colleges starting tomorrow. We are still going to continue the vaccination campaigns, but sensitively the opening of schools and and, and such is going to go ahead. Okay, that's great news. Only a couple of extra cases over the last 72 hours. Why do you think that is? Well, I think, think, you know, we've kind of put our heads together uh, collectively as a team to try and figure out, you know, is is, is it that we're really seeing a decline in cases or is it just that there may be um, cases out there that are more mild and uh, less severe? You know, if you look at the case profiles, most of the calls that we've been getting and most of the cases that are coming through the health centers and the hospital are concerned parents when the rash is a bit over the body and they're really concerned about it, or if maybe the fever is a bit high and they're concerned about it, as well as in the younger population when they're not eating and drinking. So the parents are worried about dehydration and such. So we're kind of seeing, well, maybe it's, you know, it's a number of factors, but one of the factors may be that there's cases out there that are just mild and are managing at home very well and so uh, uh, maybe there's there's no need to either seek care or to call the hotline uh, etc so it could be a combination of things but we're not hanging our hat so to say to say that you know this thing is ramping down we're still uh, expecting cases and reacting as such and last week a lot of tests got sent to Hawaii have you got the results back from those tests so the first batch came back negative The second batch is the results are just trickling in now. I do not have the total numbers for you, but so far from the the first batch and half of the second batch have all been negative for the nasopharyngeal. But the first two cases were identified through serum, and those are being run at the CDC lab, and the turnaround time is a bit longer. The first batch that was sent out on Monday 
um, and turned around to CDC for serum. I mean, we're, we're probably expecting results maybe um, in, in, in the middle of uh, this coming week. Are you surprised that those results have come back negative? Well, we're relieved more than anything. We also, uh, thanks to our federal partners and thanks to Hawaii State Laboratory, they were able uh, to do other testing on it. We requested some dengue, chick, uh, Zika, the, the arboviruses. We also re- requested some respiratory panels, and they were able to identify, uh, you know, um, some rhinovirus that come in uh, cold. They were also able to identify a couple of influenza cases, which we're marking now just to kind of reevaluate some of the presentation symptoms and such. But it, it, it's good they were able to um, identify that most of the positive cases that are circulating are, are diseases that we were expecting to be circulating in the community. So obviously we're waiting for the serum tests. If that comes back negative, will all those probable cases get wiped off the board? They will get reclassified. One of the factors was that they were identified through the clinical diagnostics team. And so the case definition is the symptoms, the presentation of symptoms for measles and or a clinical uh, diagnosis. So once they all come back negative with the serum, then we'll be able to reevaluate that. And with the clinical team, we'll then decide, well, are we going to move them off the board from probable and uh, just to inactive cases? So that that would be decided by the physician. The number of probable measles cases in American Samoa is now 52, an increase by three over the last 72 hours. There are still only two confirmed cases of measles in American Samoa. Twenty world leaders, including the U.S. President Joe Biden, are expected in Papua New Guinea this month. A spokesperson for Papua New Guinea police says planning for a large-scale operation is underway. The Prime Minister and 18 Pacific Island leaders will be in Fort Moresby for the Forum India-Pacific Islands Cooperation Meeting. TNG correspondent Scott Wade spoke with Lydia Lewis about the upcoming meeting. It's an important three hours for Papua New Guinea because uh, we we sort of expected a visit by the U.S. President during the APEX Summit in 2018. That didn't happen. The Vice President Mike Pence came instead. So these three hours will be crucial for Papua New Guinea to get across anything of importance to the two countries uh, within within that space of time. Uh, he's expected to meet with uh, senior members of cabinet as well as the prime minister himself. Um, the usual uh, expected topics of discussion will be security, aid, um, climate change, and uh, Also, there might be discussions surrounding the meetings of other Pacific Island nations also uh, who will be in Papua New Guinea within the same week. That's right. There's been speculation since the Micronesian leaders meeting, which was ahead of the Pacific Islands Forum leaders retreat, that President Biden would be meeting with Pacific leaders. Is this the meeting that everyone's been talking about or is this a meeting about a meeting? that could happen in the future? Yeah, this, this is a meeting that uh, has been discussed um, and it's, it's come at an opportune time when uh, both the Prime Minister of India and, and President Biden will be in town. So it's, it's a crucial, crucial meeting for the Pacific to have uh, two important world powers in, in one location. And also in that location will be 18 Pacific Island 
leaders, they'll also be in Port Moresby. Do you know if they're all going to be sitting in the same room? What can we expect from having all of those powerful people in the same place at the same time? Yes, the government's released a, a statement, two separate statements, one from the foreign affairs uh, foreign minister uh, and one from uh, the prime minister himself. There'll be separate meetings, uh, one with the Indian prime minister. Uh, I am not too sure about a meeting between uh, President Biden uh, and, and uh, Pacific Island leaders at uh, in, in Papua New Guinea, within those three hours, it may be a very, very short meeting. Would it be possible that President Biden could attend the Pacific Islands for a meeting later on in the year as well? Or is this it? Is this the chance for the leaders to meet him if it is possible? Yeah, I, I think it's a, a bit too premature for me to say anything about that. Um, they're they're might be a possibility, uh, but I can't really say. And three hours, is that long enough? Um, <laughs> three hours for the U.S. president is long enough for a you know, for country like Papua New Guinea to have an audience with, uh, uh, with, with the president of the United States. So I, I'm, I'm, I believe there'll be, uh, the PNG government will be trying as much as possible to squeeze in a lot of meetings. Uh, within those three hours, so it, it may be a hectic, very, very hectic schedule on, on that, on those within those three hours. What will be pushed at these meetings? So this this visit comes on the back of the Chinese foreign minister's visit several months ago, and that during that meeting, China was pushing the agenda of getting security arrangements in place with various Pacific Island nations. Papua New Guinea opted not to sign any uh, security ag- arrangements with China. So it'll be interesting how this meeting with President Biden plays out. It, it may have, you know, things may have already been decided, uh, as is usually the case. Uh, uh, but the, the outcomes will be very interesting to watch, you know, the issues of geopolitics at, at play on, on PNG soil. It's been three months since New Zealand pilot Philip Mertens was kidnapped by West Papuan separatists and there are renewed concerns for his safety. Violence has escalated in the Dunga region of West Papua between the Indonesian Army and armed separatists of the West Papua Liberation Army or TPNPB. It's now been revealed that an Australian expert on West Papua affairs, Damien Kingsbury, had been involved in brokering talks between the New Zealand government and the TPNPB to release Mertens. Finau Fonua spoke with the University of Wollongong professor, Damien Kingsbury, to get his perspective on the volatile situation. I have actually been negotiating with the New Zealand government since uh, just after Philip Mertens was kidnapped in February. And uh, we, I thought we had a constructive dialogue, but it seems that the New Zealand government was not engaging in good faith, and uh, those talks have ceased. Do you think it's a it's a mistake for the New Zealand government to not talk to these rebels? Uh, yes, I do. I mean, if they want to see Philip Merton's release, then uh, the only way that that's going to occur is either going to be through a military action by the Indonesian military, which could well end up um, causing very significant harm to Philip Mertens, uh, or or negotiation. Now, 
the TPNPB has said it's prepared to negotiate and their demands have been modified very substantially from the outset. So I think there was genuine grounds for discussion and for movement on this, but the New Zealand government has since said that they do not wish to uh, pursue negotiations. Why do you think this is? In part, it's the the position of many governments not to negotiate with uh, hostage takers. Having said that, what governments say publicly and what they do in practice are usually two different things. And had the New Zealand government uh, been acting in good faith, this whole matter would have been kept private and whatever outcome might have been reached would not necessarily have to have been made public. Um, But uh, it does seem that the New Zealand government is now prepared to let the Indonesian uh, military take the lead on this and the outcome from that, I suspect, will not be a good one. For the Indonesian side, does it surprise you that they've taken military action? No, no, that's absolutely their standard response, particularly in places like West Papua. They see military responses as the default position rather than uh, trying to go through political channels. And I should say that the kidnapping of Philip Mertens really does is a symptom of a much deeper problem in West Papua in which uh, the Indonesian government has tried to resolve very substantial political problems through military means. And that's obviously not a method that's likely to produce a positive outcome. For the rebel side, why do you think they've resorted to taking a a foreigner hostage, a Westerner hostage? Well, there's probably two reasons. The first of which is that Philip Mertens was flying for Susi Air. Uh, So he was working for the Indonesians uh, to facilitate their movement into and out of West Papua, uh, and in particular into the Unduga region. And the second reason is because I think that West Papuans generally are getting sick of waiting for the international community to take their issues seriously. I've spoken to others in the West Papuan liberation movement who are not necessarily aligned with the TPNPB in Unduga, but they also agree that there is mounting frustration uh, amongst West Papuans and they're frankly getting sick of waiting. So they want to see some sort of action on their series of political claims. The results are in for the 2023 Nui general election. Six women MPs have been voted into Nui's parliament with the election over the weekend, the most there's ever been. Lydia Lewis reports. The results are in. The finance minister in the caretaker premier's government, Crossley Tatui, is back. He was the only candidate contesting the common seats to poll over 400, putting him at number one on the rankings. Next on the list is the son of former New Air premier, Frank Whakaotimanawalui, Emani Whakaotimanawalui former Wellington mayor who was also a New Zealand MP and diplomat Mark Blumsky is in Keteka Premier Dalton Tangilangi who secured his seat before election day says nothing is set in stone just yet the first parliament sitting needs to be called before rolls are locked in I think the sooner we we do it mm. uh, there's no um, uh, there's no documented time frame 
or, or, or policy of the process in place. Mm -hmm. It's just an open, so whenever it's ready to call, I think uh, my role is still the premier until it's the new premier's elected, mm -hmm. can call the meeting any any time after today's elections. I always has been fair in everything we do, and I think it's only fair that uh, let everyone have the week. He says it will be good to have a week to just let the results sink in, with the first session likely to be next week. New Zealand-based Nguyen Sir Colin Tukuitonga says deals will be going on as people try to secure portfolios ahead of Parliament's first sitting. Now that they have pretty much agreed who's in the 20 going into the Legislative Assembly, they would be negotiating a Premier. I imagine that Dalton Tangilangi would still be the candidate. Sir Collins says he is very pleased to see more women at the table. There's six for the first time, more young women. I think it's fantastic, absolutely fantastic. When MPs do meet for the first session, they are to be sworn in, a speaker will be elected and then MPs will vote for the Premier. The Premier will then form their cabinet. That's specific waves for today. To listen back, head over to rnzi.com slash programs, or you can download us on Spotify, iHeart, or Apple Podcasts. From myself and the amazing team here at RNZ Pacific, look at me for that next time more.